The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Why is this so important? Why did you pick this story? Why does this matter? This This is the news. And why, 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 and why it matters. Hi, I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Glenn, what was the top story for you? Uh, I'd have to go to Vermont for the top story. And it's not for any reason that anybody thinks. Oh, wait, can I tell you what my top story is? What? Uh, We have Ben Shapiro and Jeremy Boring here from the Daily Wire today. Yeah, very good. That is not a good top story. (laughs) (laughs) Ratings just took a (laughs) nap. All right, go ahead, Stu. I really like cake. Uh, so I will go with the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, developments. Okay. All right, Ben. I'll go with Andrew Cuomo taking the title this week as the stupidest Cuomo, Cuomo brother, saying that his... <laughs> it was his hard. New, that, right, it was, right. Was I mean, hard. Chris really made... It was, it was yeah. neck and neck, and yeah. then Andrew just pulled ahead at the yeah. end. He got and, really jealous. He, he, and he decided that America was never great. So that's going to be the new Democratic slogan. Good luck with that, guys. <laughs> I think that uh, you know, the big story for me is this. Is there or isn't there a tape of Donald Trump proving that he's even worse than everybody already knows that he is. <laughs> and I would say, because I'm, that's the one story that could change a presidential election. Yeah. yeah. You know, in, that, in uh, any year besides 2020, yeah. at which right. point it'll mean nothing. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, before we get into all of that, I want to take an opportunity to thank our podcast and TV sponsor, Minostalgia. So I have tried several of the Minostalgia products. Is this the products. beer jelly? Yes, this okay. is the beer jelly. Okay, now, when I say to you guys, beer jelly, does that sound appetizing at all? No. Right? No. no. Doesn't. No. Do you drink beer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, doesn't sound appetizing. Uh, smell it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I have little samples and on track. Try this. It is, right. is surprising. It's like, shut up. A, it smells like beer, right? Mm-hmm. Smells like beer? It smells like beer. All right. It's don't mind me, I'll watch you guys all eat. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. It's fine. But you smelled oh, it. It's fine. <laughs> you smelled it. It's legit. Isn't that good? It's, oh my God. It's a, yes, it's, it's totally good. different. Mm-hmm. So they have the beer jellies, they have, um, of course, the wild rice mix, and they have waffle mixes as well. Uh, they came to the studio and they made the, all these different varieties of waffles. I took home the chocolate and my son just devoured them. Um, and they're Very healthy too. So I felt good about giving it to to him. Yeah, I didn't care about that. Just to be clear, I didn't care if it was healthy. You didn't it care if it was healthy. healthy but nope. it tastes Anyone good, out there so, yeah. who cares if it's healthy, nope, it's healthy in, and it's delicious. What company do you want on this for? side of the table? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, so you can save 10% on their sampler packs by using promo code TRY10 at blazewildrice.com. Just overbite, you know, overbite. Okay, yeah, you want some more? Okay, just, just, here. Snacks, just in case you want some during the show. All right. Glenn, your top story. Okay, so I'm just gonna play the play the audio and the video, mm. uh, and um, and I think it speaks for itself. We'll take it from there. Watch. Do you support capitalism? I, you know, I well, obviously the 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 long history of measuring ourselves by increasing of, of gross domestic product is a flawed measure because mm. that just encourages consumption and. And we can see what consumption is doing to our world. Okay, can we stop it there for a second? I want to come back to it. I want to come back to hear her thoughts on socialism. But does anybody have anything to say at this point? I um, wouldn't dare. <laughs> ben. <laughs> that the, if, if your critique of the GDP statistic is that it encourages consumption, then you should be critical of Keynesianism because all of the growth from basically 1940 to 1970 is based on government expenditures that are baked into the GDP growth statistics. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a case for capitalism, not, not the opposite. Yeah, and I'll say quite clearly the, uh, the answer to the question was that they do not like capitalism. And I use they very specifically. They do not like capitalism. Okay. No, but there's only one person that was answering. The yeah, there's only one person. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Roll, roll, the, roll, <laughs> roll, roll the rest of the answer here. 
Again, I know you don't like labels, and this poll didn't ask people to choose between capitalism and socialism. But when faced with a choice between the two, it does sound like you look more favorably, again, the labels you have an issue with, on the ideas behind socialism. Well, yes, and I, I'm, I'm not sure I even know what socialism is, so, so, so I just don't have the, the background to, to answer that question. I don't care if it was there's only five people in Vermont or... <laughs> You know, a million five. I don't know. I don't care. But half of them voted for this individual uh, to be running for uh, governor. Now, at any other point in my 40 years of broadcast, I'd have a lot to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) This is the big story of the day because I haven't heard anyone state anything other than what was that point on the gdp yeah yeah Yeah. Uh uh-huh not a word the fundamental transformation of scaring people out of their animal person you know the regular observational hey there's something more to that video yeah is complete that is terrifying that is terrifying Ben, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think that's totally right, obviously. The, the word socialism no longer has the sort of immediate shock value that it used to. And you see that there's that poll of Democrats that said they're, they're more favorable towards socialism than capitalism because now they think socialism is what Norway does, even though Norway will tell you socialism is not what, what, what yeah. Norway does. They've decided that they are going to rebrand capitalism as socialism mm-hmm. so long as there's a capitalist country like Denmark or Switzerland that has some redistributionist program stacked on top of the capitalist base. Uh, socialism and, is capitalism with a welfare state. Right, exactly, which it, which it absolutely is not. And, and so long as they can get away with that, so long as no one's calling them on it, so long as you have an idiot like that anchor who basically says, well, I'm not going to ask you to define any of your terms right. or explain why you like socialism better than capitalism. I'm just going to let you get away with anything. Mm-hmm. Then people will say, oh, well, social, it sounds so nice again. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it sounds nice and cozy. But also to the extent that you're talking to a transgendered politician, you can't ask them about definitions of any kind of concept. Right? Right? Labels. Right. Right. I, I don't like labels. labels at all. I, I don't like, like labels. labels. I guarantee if you called her, the, her the wrong gender, <laughs> they, labels would become very important in the conversation. It would be the only thing anybody was talking about. Yeah. Uh, Sue, let's move on to the Masterpiece Cake Shop developments. Yes. um, You know, they are just harassing this guy. I mean, you know, Jack Phillips is a guy, he, he, you know, he had to deal with years of turmoil over, you know, whether he's going to bake a cake for, for a gay wedding or not. He goes all the way to the Supreme Court, wins the Supreme Court ruling. And, and you know, I, we talked about this a lot at the time. You know, the ruling did not have the scope that I wished it did. Yep. It was very, it was way too limited. But, you know, he, you for this I at least right. took out of that day that at least... Jack is going to be all right. Like, at least he won his thing. At least that case was resolved. Well, apparently not. Uh, someone came in and wanted to get a gender transition cake, uh, and which, of course, he decided, as he was consistent all the way to the, you know, not making cakes for Halloween. He's mm. so consistent with his religious values, uh, decides not to make it. And now uh, the Civil Rights Commission in Colorado are harassing him again so, and trying to rip his this, life apart. I mean, I, the way I read that Supreme Court decision mm-hmm. was practically, guys, wink, wink, nod, nod. 
you did this wrong. Go try this that's exactly again. Right. That's yeah. exactly right. If you read Kennedy's, if you read Kennedy's writing in that case, he specifically says this is not really deciding whether if you did this the right way it would work or not. Correct. He said you're not allowed to be openly discriminatory towards somebody while you're telling them not to practice their religion in the workplace. But so long as you're covertly discriminatory in in your assessment of the situation, then it's totally fine. I mean, frankly, I'm I've always been puzzled as to why these are freedom of religion cases and not freedom of association cases in the first place. I do not understand why, and I think it's a mistake frankly, for the religious community to say, well, this is about me practicing my religion in the workplace, because then it makes it sound like I get to discriminate against people because I'm religious, as opposed to if I weren't religious, I wouldn't get to discriminate against people. When the real answer is, if it's a private business, you should be able to do whatever the hell you want. And it shouldn't matter whether you're secular or whether you're a religious person. And as a deeply religious person whom this will affect, you know, I I think that the more important value here is freedom of speech and, and, and association than well, freedom of religion per se. Please explain to me. I've, I've asked people this all week. Wait a minute. Hang on just a second. I can't hire an all-white staff because the 14th Amendment. Okay. Not that you would want to hire. Not that I'd want to hire. Right now, that I'm you're just not saying actually, yeah. you cannot do it because the government says it's not constitutional. You can't do it. We have standards, yada, yada, yada. However, I can kick Alex Jones off. On every platform, I can I can kick anybody I want off on this platform because it's my private business. I can do that and not even be clear on the rules. Here's yeah. a guy who's clear. These are my standards. This is my business. And we can't do it because somehow or another, the Constitution says that he can't do that. That doesn't make any sense at all. Well, yeah. the, the idea that any of this fits within the purview of the First Amendment, you know, as as move to the states through the 14th is just, it's, it, from a legal perspective, it's completely asinine. If you really think that the founders were sitting around going, yeah, we have to force religious people in their businesses to violate their religion on behalf of same-sex weddings. I mean, I'm sure that's what, that's what Madison was sitting around thinking right. about. That was definitely or, in his right. mind. Or any person. I mean, the right to be a jerk is as much a right as anything else, right? They, you know, they, the original language, I mean, it, you know, in all their writings earlier, it's all right to conscience. That's right. It's right to conscience, conscience, conscience. It's not religion, which this makes religion look bigoted. It's my right to conscience. It bothers me for whatever reason I want to say it bothers me. I don't have to participate in a group sport. Well, this is is the invisible hand also can weigh in on this and and be true to its conscience, right? Which can. But this this is where the demagoguery of politics is so dangerous, because what you get is. You say, okay, well, I, I think this person should be able to do whatever they want with their business. And then somebody on the other side says, well, so you don't like black people. Okay, so you don't like gay people. That's why you want businesses to really be able to do what they want, because isn't that what we're talking about here? And then they go back to the Civil Rights Act, and they go to the, the specific provisions of the Civil Rights Act dealing with private businesses, which, by the way, I think that are, are, there's a good case that they're unconstitutional, the provisions dealing with private businesses. It's one thing to say in the Civil Rights Act that states cannot segregate. It's another thing to say that private businesses are to be told by the government how to handle their business. I know it's an unpopular viewpoint, even on large parts of the right, because it's uncomfortable. But the bottom line is, either you have a right to run your business as you see fit and then take the consequences of that in the market, I, or you don't. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a coffee cafe. The, I think it's Coffee Cup Cafe, but strangely, they spell it all with K's. Mm-hmm. It's here in Texas, okay? We all know what that means. I don't want to be around those people. I, don't, would, I would never go to that store. I despise what they stand for. You want to be those bigots? Be those bigots. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? I don't understand why you, we all have to force each other to, uh, to, to 
to be exactly alike. Well, government involvement is what creates these particular kinds of problems. I may have a little bit of a libertarian streak. I, I think libertarianism is misses to the extent that it's a utopianist yes. view, right? But to the extent that they're touching on the idea that government shouldn't use coercion uh, in order to force these sort of values down people's throats, I think they're right. One of the, we see the opposite version of the same problem with Twitter banning Alex Jones or Gavin McGinnis or other people uh, because many people want to defend Twitter's right to do that by saying that they're a private business. You know, don't you think as a private business they have the right to do what they want? The problem, of course, they're not exactly a private business. They're publicly traded companies that should have some sort of obligations to the people who own shares. But beyond that, those, those Silicon Valley companies actually sought protection from the government from being regulated as publishers based on the idea that they would be open platforms for political discourse. In other mm-hmm. words, they, they said, as part of getting Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act through, they basically said, we won't have a political editorial voice. That's right. Therefore, don't hold... That's right. You can't hold us if you're trading child molesters. You know, you're trading information exactly. for child molesters. You can't hold us responsible. Because you're a public opening platform. We're an open platform. That's, That's right. right. So you wind up in this situation where, uh, because people don't understand how government gets involved uh, and corrupts these systems, it seems like we're being hypocritical on these issues. I'm not. I don't think that there should be special protections for Twitter in the first place. If there are special protections for Twitter, there should be special protections for the people on Twitter. There's a real problem, too, with the government forcing speech. I mean, yes, yeah. like, yes, the words he's writing are delicious in this particular instance. Uh, yeah. But again, you're asking someone to write words they don't want to write. We just had another ruling about, about that. You can't uh, compel even professional speech. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you, to, to see someone being forced to, you know, to perform an artistic, his artistic talent, as well as just writing words down that he doesn't want to write, it's ridiculous. And, be, and beyond that, it shows a tremendous faith in the power of, of government to keep the population quiescent, is the truth. Mm-hmm. Because if there are, you know, people like to talk about these kind of apocalyptic scenarios with America and how we'll break mm-hmm. into civil war, you actually want to get to the point where people start taking out guns. When you go to their private schools and tell them what they can teach their kids, mm-hmm. or you go to their house and you say, well, you know what, you can't homeschool anymore because you're not teaching us what we want your kids, what we want you to teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we're going to go into your church and we're going to tell your church that you must perform this same-sex marriage because otherwise you are discriminatory. It's going to come to guns a lot faster than anybody thinks it's going to if they start cracking down on people's quote-unquote private expression of their religion. There's not a religious person who has ever lived who believes that their religion ends at the front door of their house or at the doorway of their church. So tell um, tell me how silencing voices doesn't make every crazy conspiracy theory that Alex Jones has ever spewed look to his audience as... See, they did it. They're cracking down on him. They're silencing him. It's the big state. It's the deep state that's silencing him. That only makes things worse when, I mean, why is Louis Farrakhan accepted by all the journalists and everything? Because we've always known you make him into a martyr. That's right. Mm -hmm. You let the people speak. Why is it okay with Farrakhan and not with Alex Jones? Why can the left tell me I must say these things because I'm a hater uh, and and tell this guy that they have to they have he has to make this cake? At what point does it become persecution? It's persecution. It's persecution when the left disagrees with it. That's the point. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great point. Uh, let's play a game of which Cuomo brother is the dumbest when we come back. <laughs> I can't solve that in one show. Really tough. Awesome. I know. 
Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. This is the news. And why, 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 why it matters. Ben, the those Cuomo jeans. Man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a trip. in the water. It, there, there's something <laughs> going on there because between Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo, it was it was a week. I mean, you had Chris Cuomo out there defending Antifa and saying Antifa was actually wonderful. It's just like the the soldiers storming the beaches at Normandy, losers who sit in their parents' basements until they go out and shout at cops and throw bottles at them. Same exact thing. And then to surpass him, it is a running gun battle between the two brothers for supremacy of stupidity. <laughs> then Andrew gets up at a dinner and he says that America is not great again, which he has to do. Uh, it, uh, he says America was never great. He has to do that because he's running against Cynthia Nixon in a primary. And Cynthia Nixon is going to outflank him. She'll lose. But she'll do damage to him. She'll win 35, 30, 35% of the vote in New York because people are yeah. dumb. And people are dumb. They're so dumb that they think this guy's good at politics. Watch, watch <laughs> this clip. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. <laughs> we have not reached greatness. We will reach greatness when every American is fully engaged. We will reach (laughs) greatness when discrimination and stereotyping against women, 51% of our population is gone. And every woman's full potential is realized and unleashed. And every woman is making her full contribution. Except Even, Cynthia Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that, that the same guy who always talks about tolerance and non-stereotyping. You remember a couple of years ago, he said conservatives should just get out of his state. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? So he, he's a real tolerant mm-hmm. sort. But I do love when he says things like America was never great and will only be great again when everything is perfect. It depends on what your standard of great is, right? I mean, no one is arguing that America hasn't had flaws at any given point in time and doesn't have flaws today, because that would be idiotic, right? It's a, it's a place filled with human beings. Human beings kind of suck. And so we created the best system possible to handle the suckage of human beings and hopefully instill virtue in those human beings at a higher level than, than other societies. Great. But if you're comparing you know, America to some utopian society that has never existed and will never exist until we are all dead and either in heaven or hell, right? then I don't know what he's even talking about. Plus, that's going to be his campaign. Like he's going to go out there and he's going to be, <laughs> Trump will be out there shouting, we need to keep America great or whatever his next slogan is going to be. And Cuomo will be out there shouting, no, we're, no, we're, we're never that great. Right, World War II, not that great. World War I, not that great. Fighting to free the slaves, not that great. Ending communism, not that great. Curing world poverty, not that great. Supporting the entire burden of of virtually every problem in human history, not that great. Yeah, but I mean, other than all of those things. (laughs) And also, how great is this country that his dad got to be mayor and then he gets to be governor of New York and his brother gets to be on CNN and none of the three had a brain between them. That's an amazing thing. That may be a case, uh, maybe a point in his favor on that one. (laughs) Maybe we weren't that great if those three could master that. Great society is not going to be designated by when everybody is engaged. Like, the great thing about America is we have incredible freedom to be as disengaged as we want to be. Hang on just a second. Wasn't 
didn't Nancy Pelosi is one of the the sales points for healthcare that hey you can have free healthcare so you can go paint and do nothing. Yeah, right. Right. Well, that's, that's, right. that's what I was no going to bring up. Uh, it reminded me of that whenever you talked about comparing it to a utopian society because I think that that's what we did with Obamacare was we that did. we we were like oh no our healthcare sucks we need to change all these things we need to fix it not realizing we still have the best you know health insurance the best system in the world you can't fix every single problem there's always going to be problems it's almost who was inherently it said, in any system who was it that said the poor will be always be with you oh it's jesus <laughs> it was jesus that said that he's one of yours he's one of mine but then one of yours <laughs> <laughs> if jesus was saying hey by the way it's always i can't even do it. it's always gonna be around <laughs> Uh, I don't think Cuomo's going to fix it. I, argue, I have this argument with our friend Andrew Clavin all the time because he says, you know, things aren't that bad in America. It's not as divided as you, as you think it is. People are relatively uh, happy. People are relatively wealthy. We've, I mean, America's defeated war, disease, poverty, and death. So, you know, I don't think that the tension that you're observing is as bad as you think it is. I respond to it by saying I, I think that it's, uh, it's a privilege afforded the nation that defeated war, disease, poverty, and mm-hmm. death. That we can believe that things are bad even when they're not. And people actually are motivated more by their perspective on things than by the reality. I think you're also talking about two separate classes of people in the United States. So I think that Drew tends to hang out with a lot of people who are not only very wealthy, but also are relatively disengaged from politics outside of our office. He actually deals in the culture mostly. And if you are somebody who doesn't spend all day in politics, then you live a pretty happy life. I mean, you notice it yourself. The minute you get off of Twitter, it's like your life becomes 1,000% better. And so most people don't live politics all the time. Agreed, agreed. And so I used to think that the future of the country rested in the hands of the 35 to 40% of people who are engaged. I'm starting to think the opposite. I'm starting to think the future of the country rests in the hands of the 60 to 65% of the population doesn't give a crap about any of this stuff. And they just go about their daily business. Now, I used to think that that was bad. I'm beginning to think that might be good. The 35 percent, we're losing our minds. Agreed. And I think that there's this thing called it's kind of fascinating. There's something called radicalization theory. It's about how small groups get taken and take over big groups, how a minority Mm -hmm. can basically shift a majority. And the logic goes something like this. You've got a family and nobody in the family is a vegan except for one daughter who's a vegan. And the parents have to decide every night when they cook, do I cook two separate meals, one for the vegan kid and one for the rest of us? Or do I just cook a vegan meal for all of us? Because, hey, it's easier and it's less effort. Well, the same thing holds true in politics. That's how you turn an entire family vegan just because one person was vegan. The most extreme person in any room can move the rest of the room if they care more. And if the transaction cost of ignoring that person is higher than the transaction cost of catering to that person. So what, what you That's see... That's why Cynthia it, Nixon is going to move Cuomo. Exactly. This is why... The cost is too high for him. And, well, and, and this is what I think you're seeing inside the Democratic Party right now. What's fascinating is that look at the primary results across the country. And what you'll see is that mainstream Democrats, by and large, are winning, despite all of the rhetoric being about socialism. Mm-hmm. All, the, so all the candidates that Ocasio-Cortez endorsed, virtually all of them lost. Same thing is true for Bernie. But they don't have to win those races. Yeah. All they have to do is drag the normal candidates over to the left. And that's exactly what's happened with the Democratic Party, where you've seen the entire party move to the left. It's not that they're electing new socialists to replace the old people. It's that the old people are now mirroring all of the rhetoric of the newer, more extreme base. It brings us all the way back to the first story that we talked about, the governor uh, the governor, uh, governor race in Vermont, which is to say that even now, having gone through the entire exercise of examining that story, none of us have spoken aloud the obvious absurdity of, of the situation. And that's because even though the vast majority of human, his, human beings who've ever lived and who live currently all feel the same way about what we observed in that video, we don't care as much about it. It's almost the opposite, mm-hmm. right? It's the opposite of the idea of, of, uh, of a tax on, a, a punitive tax like a tariff. 
uh, you know, Milton Friedman would observe that, well, that affects a small group of people an awful lot. It, it affects the, the bulk of people very little, and the bulk of people just can't be given to right. care that so much So nobody's going to say anything about that obvious, that obvious uh, picture. We're not going to say anything because it really doesn't matter to us. That's right. Uh, and you don't want to fight that battle because it doesn't mean anything. That's not a hill but, you want to die on. But you, you end up losing so mm-hmm. much because you're now... They're controlling the conversation. We're all eating vegan. I hate to uh, interrupt, but we got to take a break. Back in a minute. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze Premium subscribers. Become a premium subscriber at theblaze.com slash subscribe. All right, Jeremy. <laughs> wow, Jeremy. <laughs> so it's be quite a show your point on uh, the uh, whether or not the Trump tape of mm-hmm. the N-word exists, what, what does that all mean? Well, I know no one's happy about my question, but I felt like it was my no, job to put so the why in the yeah. news and why it matters. Yes, yes. please. Um, you know, I, I've cautioned Ben against... Uh, against getting cornered by hypotheticals, and so now I'm cornering myself. myself. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> Which is, you know, if this tape does exist, I think that it will have a dramatic effect on, uh, on the election. It'll certainly define the narrative surrounding the election. I mean, there's a good argument that it can't possibly exist, because if it did, we would have already yeah. heard it. But the world gets crazier and weirder, and so I don't make predictions anymore. Uh, who knows what's out there? Uh, the question that we were all talking about beforehand, which I think is important, is would it change anyone's perspective on Trump? Nope. That's going to be the that's the electoral question, right? Nope. You think no? Nope. I don't think you there's any. No. I don't think there's no. anything that I don't think there's anything that he could. I mean, what what else? I mean, look at this. Is, look at look at the look at the list <laughs> yeah. of things. We had a hypothetical question, a quick conversation. I don't know, a couple of months ago about this. What would? Is there anything that could happen that would change it? And the only thing I could come up with was a, t- a video of Trump using the N word frequently. Uh, and conversationally uh, and negatively. So not just like he says it one time, he's quoting someone, he kind of just says it out there. It's like this is part of his lingo behind closed doors and we all believe it. Outside of that, because I think if you found it... It would be surprising. It it would be surprising. I don't think it's real. No, and I I agree with you. I mean, you'd get the feeling that He's, you know, a doofus on race issues, but you don't get the feeling that the guy's like actually a brutal racist. Who, like, and so that would, so if that actually came out, that would be shocking. But I will say this: I don't think that anything virtually can change what people think of Trump because you either like him or you don't like him. There's no in between. But it will change how people think about themselves being forced to defend Trump. Yes. And half of politics is about that. Uh, it's, it's really not. I think the great lie of politics is that you vote based on whether you like the candidate or not. No, you vote based on what your friends and family think of you for liking a particular candidate or not. This is particularly true when you're young. I don't think this is true when you're 65. When you're 65, you're like, screw it. I'm going to vote how I want to vote. Yeah. I'm 65. What are you going to do to me? Kill me? Yeah. Right? But, when you're, but when you're 20, you're 25, and you're millennial, and you're still working in social circles, you haven't built a family, you haven't built a business, you're still trying to define yourself in, in the eye of the people who surround you, mm-hmm. how you feel about particular figures, figures is a form of virtue or vice signaling. And so if you, and this happens with the, I mean, you see it with the arts all the time, right, where somebody will say that they like a movie simply because everybody else says that they like the movie. I mean, this is just a, a human tendency. And so if it turns out that there were such a tape, I don't think you could get a person under the age of 30 to admit that they like President Trump, would be warm to President Trump, or are interested in dealing with people in a party who are willing to defend that. I think, I, I think, it, I think I there'd think be serious be, fallout. It would be the end. And there end. should be serious fallout, by the it way. It would be the yes. end, and I would celebrate <laughs> the end of the Republican Party. It would have if to reach it. If you defended it, it's, just, it's, it's on a timeline of death. I mean, how do you, how do you recover from that? 
You from, can't, you, from Lincoln there. and Yeah, from Lincoln, he would be the, I mean, yeah, that's the opposite. If it was a tape that was really horrible, you just, but it, will, it may not change the election because people would be disgusted, but, I mean, who's the left going to put up? Right, exactly. It would still be, a, it would still be the same binary thing that they did, yes. that we did in 2016, where it's the Correct. end of the world. Every election's the end of the world. You right. got to vote because you got to vote. Um, but uh, the, the, the untold story about all of this, obviously, is the only reason we're talking about this is because the media decided to take Omarosa seriously. Yeah, that's right. right? I mean, that, that's the part that's, that's yeah. truly absurd. I mean, and that is Trump's fault. I mean, he picks all the best people. Yeah. Like, all, all the best. The, the very, the best. very yeah. best people. Uh, and Except for all the worst people that he's picked. Yeah. Right, exactly. Right. Those ones don't count. Except for right. that. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, that was also he could fire them. Don't you understand? Yeah. This is all yeah. part of a broader strategy. That was just step one. You're not right. thinking you know I know. the layers I, beneath. Sorry. Okay, you got to yep, flip the right. game pieces over, right. and underneath you see the true yep. story. And, and John Roberts is still, <laughs> he's still got that whole healthcare thing boiling too. That was strategy. It's all strategy. I do want to uh, point out, this is a good time to bring up the poll results from yesterday. Uh, the question was, would you support a Republican primary opponent if a Trump N-word tape surfaces? Forty <laughs> percent of the of the Blaze viewers said yes. Which is higher than and I would expect. Me I, too. Sixty you percent know. said no. I feel like the, the 60 percent, um, you know, I mean, the, the 40 percent should be higher. But, but again, I think your question was higher than I thought enough. it was going to be. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't? No, okay. because you, you failed to uh, to control for did the deep state forge the tape? Ah, in the first yeah, that's right. No, but I, I think that, but <laughs> there, is, there is an actual calculation in which you hate such a tape but you don't want in primary. And, and here's that calculation. The calcula- Theoretically, and this is not something I agree with because I think that if that tape comes out, you almost have to have a primary just to prove that the party doesn't endorse this sort of thing. But the calculation would go something like this. He has 90% approval rating inside the Republican Party. Anybody who primaries him, no matter what they say, will be pilloried for anything they say. This is actually my case against primarying him right now without the tape, is that if Ben Sass were to primary him, it would toxify everything Ben Sass would ever say, even though I like what Ben Sass has to say a lot better than what President Trump has to say. So I'd prefer that nobody primary Trump if it means toxifying the causes associated with that primary candidate. Or you just have the people... Like we encourage McConnell to run. You should primary. That way we can get rid of all Everyone. of these people <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. who are really bad. Right, we exactly. never have to see them again. Uh, Glenn, you wanted to talk about Friends of Abe. Oh, I, you know, the, I saw a story um, today from uh, Harvard, a Harvard econo- uh, economist who, who said uh, that we cannot hire universities, uh, should never hire anyone who has worked in the Trump administration. Um, because it will taint the university setting. Now, this is this is from a group of people who have hired communists, terrorists, uh, domestic terrorists like Bill Ayers. They've laundered everybody. Somehow or another, a blacklist is okay, and it's 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 everywhere on the left. Hollywood should be the place that understands blacklist because of communists. And because of their sexual practices, had to keep it in the closet forever, had to marry people, even though you weren't attracted to them and, and pretend the whole time. How does a group of people that have been on multiple blacklists and have been preaching to us, don't do this, it's bad, suddenly find themselves as the cheerleader for all kinds of blacklists? Yeah, well, our friend Andrew Breitbart's uh, father in law, Orson Bean, who's a terrific. Uh, actor and comedian, uh, was blacklisted uh, in the original communist blacklist, the Red Scare. He says, you know, I've been blacklisted twice. I was blacklisted as a communist. I followed a girl into a Communist Party USA rally, and 
I stuck around because it was interesting and she was cute. You know, here he is decades later uh, and he's a conservative and he feels he's blacklisted again. He says, the difference is when I was blacklisted the first time, I was considered a hero by my peers in the industry for having been blacklisted. Mm -hmm. Now, no, those are the very people who won't take my call. I think that, you know, we, I, I jokingly said earlier that uh, anything the left disagrees with, that's persecution. I think that is the standard they, they control uh, Hollywood because Hollywood is a city of vice. It's an industry of vice, and even people of vice have to see themselves as people of virtue. Politics is sort of the, un the unifying virtue signal uh, for people who work in the entertainment industry. It doesn't occur to them that they know people with whom they disagree, so they don't think of you know, the, the grip staring at his shoes while they're railing about how Bush brought down the Twin Towers, which was a big topic of conversation back in the Bush administration. Uh, on, on they movie hate sets. conspiracy theories. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but they, 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 don't, they don't see that person staring at his shoes as a conservative. He couldn't possibly be a conservative. Conservatives are racist, warmongering bigots. Right. He's a nice guy. So you started Friends of Abe. I, mean, I, I did not start it. I inherited it. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened to it? Where'd they go? So, you know, after the election, it got harder and harder to get people to come out to events. Um, I think that the town really toxified you know, during, strangely. Because of Trump. Yes. Okay. Strangely, the Obama era was good for conservatives in Hollywood. We saw yeah. real progress in town. You know, liberals are nice when they're winning. Uh, once, uh, once Obama became president, you know, FOA became a lot easier for people to attend. I think now in the era of Trump, it got very difficult, especially right after the election. And uh, we just made a call. you have to defend. It's what you That's were saying. Right. You have to defend too much that you're like, I, I, I can't. I can't carry all that water. If Trump made it easier for everybody, you know how much easier everybody's job would be? Yeah. Yes. Like, really, it's, it, this is the part that, that drives me nuts. I wrote an entire piece about this today with regard to Tim Paul Lundy, who lost his primary in Minnesota basically because he was too anti-Trump in 2016. And it seems to me that... that because Trump has become such a litmus test for people, mm -hmm. and then Trump insists on being Trump, and then we take every, basically we've decided that we are now living in the universe of the untouchables, and every, and every political race is the Sean Connery speech, right? What are you prepared to do? And whatever Trump does that's bad, if you don't defend that, you are not prepared to do the thing that is necessary in order to win. And so the, the deeper Trump dives there, the more people are forced to defend him or be, or be castigated as disloyal and traitors and, and cucks and people who don't understand so the fight and all the, the rest of this. So in the era where you can be fired for something that was said five years ago when it was okay to say that, right. but, you know, culture has changed, what does that mean for the conservatives who are tweeting and and Facebook posting their support for Trump and, you know, and even engaging in things that they don't want to. What does that mean? For I mean, they're not going to work again. I mean, really, I mean, in, in Hollywood, I mean, I, I know many, I'm talking like A-list people yeah. who are conservative, real A-list people who are conservative and will not get together in broad daylight for lunch with people who are even peripherally known as conservative because it will end their career. I've talked to them and some come to our offices and I'll say, like, don't let anyone know that you're here because they will finish your career. And it doesn't matter how big you are. Wow. Uh, I know you guys have to run really quickly. I have one more thing to ask, but I want to give the poll of the day. How do you feel about the midterms after last night's primaries? Are you confident? Are you a little bit concerned? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter or Instagram and Twitter, I believe. So I just wanted to ask really quickly. I want you to have your Alex Jones moment and share your conspiracy theory. Well, it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> Not that moment. <laughs> conspiracy theory about... To take his shirt off, I'm like, what the... Conspiracy theory about weird. Glenn and Garth Brooks. 
<laughs> well, I've never seen them together in the same room at the same time. Uh, they're, they're both larger than life, highly animated visionaries. They cry easily on cue on camera. <laughs> and I... Listen, uh, I don't That's like pretty to. Thin. I don't like to. <laughs> and neither of us are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th there's also this sort of Chris Gaines uh, reinvention that happened, if you remember, with mm. Garth Brooks, oh. and I feel like Glenn is sort of prone to uh, occasionally recreate Glenn a little bit. So, I don't know. I feel like he, I've heard him once refer to Trisha Yearwood as Miss Yearwood. <laughs> I feel like, I so don't do, know. <laughs> do you know that Garth Brooks sued me for the G? That's amazing. So uh, I, <laughs> Is that real? I, that was part yeah. of the theory. I That's had real. The yeah, that was real. Lowercase <laughs> G was my logo for years yeah. was my logo. Well, he started to use the lowercase G. Who knew Garth Brooks owns that lowercase <laughs> typewriter G? Wow. Okay? wow. Yeah. Didn't think you could own it. And his attorneys came and said, you don't have any idea. We have been defending this for nine years. Wow. At the 10-year mark, it becomes done. We are going to spend whatever it takes to make sure we keep the lowercase g. So you cannot have the lowercase g. Was so you go to his house like the, like, uh, the Marx Brothers, and then you just like stood on the other side of a doorway, like the yeah. mirror, and just did yeah. this. You can't sue me. I'm you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very Gollum Smeagol kind yeah. of argument. Uh, I think that just proved his theory. And... Uh, that's all there is. Well, so. there's no record of that lawsuit, is there? There you go. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Tune in tomorrow. Thank you, guys. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Like what you're hearing? Become a Blaze Premium subscriber and watch the show anytime, anywhere, live or on demand. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe and start watching today.